1: So how are you? What are you reading or what are you currently watching right now? Oh, I'm watching all the things I've got season two of the great
2: Hawkeye and I'm tentatively waiting for sex in the city to come out. How about you? Oh, and I'm reading the ninth outlander book, which I will not spoil for anyone because it is art and it is, that's how I spent my Saturday night. Just,
1: oh man. So good
2: reading till all hours of the night. It was wonderful.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm finishing up a Francine Rivers book. So Francine Rivers, she wrote Redeeming Love and that movie's coming out in January. So I wanted to, I've read it before when I was younger, didn't remember anything about it. I read it at 16 years old or something like that. So I reread that. It was really good. And so then I ordered her other book, The Masterpiece. So I'm finishing up that book and I'm not allowing myself to read bees. Until I finish that, so I'm like, I need to finish it today because I'm gonna be on a plane on Tuesday, and I want to be done with the other book so I can just read six hours straight yes. on the plane. It's gonna be glorious. But you know what I'm watching is, well, I haven't finished the movie yet, but there's this cute movie. You know those Christmas Hallmark movies are on Netflix. Yes. Okay. So Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes Wesley from Princess Bride. Yes. Okay, so it's this movie, A Castle for Christmas. If you watch this movie for no other reason than to hear Wesley from Princess Bride speaking with a Scottish accent, that is the reason to watch it. It's cute. I love these kind of movies though, because you know, I love romance. Wesley has a Scottish accent. Who cares what else is happening? Who cares? And his accent is so good. I'm going to finish up watching that today. But then I also watched Crazy Rich Asians this weekend with Lena. Oh, God. Oh, well, my gosh. You I'm, are so late to the party on the movie. I am movie. so late to the party. I don't know what I've been doing with my life, but all of my BFFs are in Aquafina, Jimmy Chan, and then Ronnie Chang, who I adore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what have I been doing with my life? Henry Golding is so charming. You're just, you're in love with him always, forever. Nick Young. Oh, my gosh. Just the cutest. So prince, handsome. charming. Oh, I mean, that movie is so good. It's so good. And I've he- I've only ever heard that it was good, but it was amazing. I don't know what I've been doing with my life. I don't know. Literally either. don't know. Well, there's
2: a second one in the mix
1: as far as a second movie. Awesome. Because I think Crazy Rich Asians was 2018. So that's three years and then we'll throw COVID in the middle of that. So understandable why I got pushed back. Yeah, I'm excited. We'll keep that one on our radar for sure. Yeah, Henry Golding's pretty much always on my radar. (laughs) That'll be easy. But yeah, you have to watch that movie. It's so cute, A Castle for Christmas. Okay,
2: it's just fun fact. Yeah. Brooke Shields stayed at Parkhead House while filming this.
1: What? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I didn't know it was because of that movie. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. Yeah. Because there's the castle, like the fictitious castle is Dun Dunbar. Is that the like real name? It sounds. I fake. have no idea. I we think it's James to keep us posted on that. Like what is the name of the real castle? Right. So for those of you who are new to
2: our show, Parkhead House is one of our friends back in Scotland. Great bed and breakfast. That's Outlander themed. Great hospitality, kindness till no end. And they were hosting Brooke Shields for extended period
1: of time while she filmed A Castle for Christmas. Oh my gosh. This makes me love that movie even more. And right? I hate the, the last part of the movie. So I think I have 25 minutes left where you know they're gonna like fall in love and the whole thing. And now I'm so excited because that is so cool. Yeah, we need to go stay there. ASAP. Yes, I agree. Yeah. James, we're, we're gonna we're show coming. up someday. And we won't leave. So just get ready to <laughs> right. adopt us. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. And we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. We love dishing and spilling the tea with you guys. We really do. We like dishing and spilling the tea with each other. Like we, it's just, like we just feel like this is fun that we get to talk and then people just like listen to it. But really we're just having, we're just having fun. And so today we're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. All right. Okay. So this movie The original Ghostbusters came out in 1984, the year I was born. I can't even really remember watching this movie. I know that I did, but I don't remember because I was so young. Do you remember watching it or did you watch it when you were older? Okay, so I wasn't born till the later 80s. Yeah, so it came out in 89. So you're born in 87. So still like, you know, babies. I do remember watching it with my dad.
2: And then the Ghostbusters cartoon came out and my dad could not get me away from this movie so it was Ninja Turtles and the Ghostbusters cartoon that I was absolutely addicted to when the second Ghostbusters came out my dad was like well you have to watch the first one so I was watching the cartoon before the movies came out and he's like you should watch the the first movie and I was like what tell me more (laughs) I think that essentially started our love of going to movies with each other and
1: watching movies together That's so cute. I can just imagine you and Steve Martin walking into the movies together. (laughs) (laughs) Her dad's like a Steve Martin look like, just for those of you, we talk about this sometimes on the podcast. So when we say Steve Martin and Julie doing things together, we mean- It's referencing my dad. (laughs) Her actual father, who is not Steve Martin, but- No, he's not. (laughs) But could pass for him. That's so cute. I know that I've watched it. I probably saw every Dan Aykroyd movie ever made as a nineties kid, Blues Brothers, just everything he was in. One thing I didn't realize, though, was that he wrote this movie and he originally wanted John Belushi to be in it, but John Belushi died in 82. So he had to rewrite it and then he wrote it with Harold Ramis, who plays Egon Spangler. And then they rewrote it and then it came out in 84. You know, the the second one came out in 89. But what is kind of sad, but like really cool is that Harold Ramis, he passed away in, in 2014. And so this movie is just such a beautiful love letter kind of. To him. I left the theater thinking this was such a beautiful tribute to Harold Ramis. Yes. 100%. Throughout the whole film. Yes. This movie, we have McKenna Grace, who's Phoebe. Finn Wolfhard is Trevor. We know him from Stranger Things. Logan Kim, who's podcast, which I loved. I'm like, there's all these movies that have like some kind of podcast element that we're seeing more. And we never know his real name in the movie. Right, It's just podcast like yep. on the casting list. His name's podcast. And then we have Carrie Coon, who plays Callie. Paul Rudd plays Gary Gruberson. I just love that name. Perfect middle school teacher name, Gary Gruberson. And then Celeste O'Connor is lucky. Bill Murray comes back to play Peter Venkman. Dan Aykroyd plays Ray Stance. And then we have that kind of cameo of Egon Spengler played by Harold Ramis, and then Ernie Hudson comes back for Winston and Zeta Moore. Okay, so this movie is like a real sequel to the first and second, set 32 years later after the second film. Mm-hmm. And so we're following Callie, who's a single mom, and her kids, and they have to move to this small town in Oklahoma because her father died and left this old creepy house. And we kind of, and it kind of goes from there. The Ghostbusters nostalgia was definitely felt. Yeah. I, I was living
2: for all the cameos that this film provided. And I I did enjoy the cast.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, McKenna Grace, whoa. She just was a shining star in this film.
2: So my take was everybody was a supporting actor to Egon Spangler. You can try and tell me that the kids stole the show or that I realized they're trying to set up the next generation of Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And I thought the kids did a great job, but I was living for the rest of the storyline that revolved around Egon's backstory.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for people of our generation who are, you know, we remember that being such a classic, wonderful movie as kids, it's kind of hard to say goodbye to the what we knew right. and say like, oh, hello to this new thing. But they're, you know, I know that they're trying to have it be relevant for kids Lena's age, like teenagers, you know, and, and get them excited about Ghostbusters. But yeah, I was definitely living for those nostalgic moments and everything. <laughs> So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. This is your spoiler alert. We're alerting you because there's about to be spoilers. Okay, Julie, hit it.
2: I could have used more Paul Rudd. Gary Gruberson was so much fun and I didn't see enough of
1: him. I mean, he'll probably show up in the other movies.
2: He has this
1: ability to make something so ridiculous seem so sincere because he's just this really sincere guy. But when he's looking at those little marshmallow men (laughs) and you're trying to suspend your disbelief because like, okay, there's marshmallow men popping out of marshmallow bags in Walmart. You believe him that he can't believe his eyes because, and then you now believe what you're seeing because he's so sincere with these ridiculous things. Although it was funny because when the two minions are supposed to see each other again at the end and he like sees her and they're supposed to, you know, consummate this relationship. I totally got, you know, at the end of 40 year old version where they're like dancing around and this is the age of Aquarius, you know, that end scene of 40 year old virgin. So he's like dancing around with his shirt off. Like I totally just saw him in that. I kind of was out of the movie for a second and like imagining him in that other role of dancing around Age of Aquarius. Yeah, he was really funny. It's interesting how he can, he plays like the perfect middle school teacher. He does. Oh, and then when he was, um, science is punk rock. It's a safety pin through the nipple of academia. I felt that. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, that's an interesting... analogy yeah <laughs> okay so when i first started watching this movie it kind of gave me like horror film vibes did you get that with the cornfield and the haunted house <sighs> horror movie vibes yes and no because the house
2: is creepy mm-hmm. the exterior of the house gives that the corn maze or the cornfield always sets up you know yeah that scary premise i definitely thought of it more of adventure thriller more than okay. anything
1: yeah i wasn't sure like if they were trying to do a darker take on Ghostbusters, but you're kind of, it's kind of, that's implied at the beginning, but I'm really glad that that's not where they took it because the original Ghostbusters has more of a lighthearted feel to it It and fun. You know, when you see these green animated ghosts, you're not scared because it's kind of adventurous, like Pirates of the Caribbean or something like that. It's a more of like an adventure movie. So I'm glad that it wasn't, didn't take on the whole horror film because you know how sometimes with like newer films, they try to be too artsy fartsy with it. Yes. You know, with newer actors and I'm like, no, this is, this is Ghostbusters. The familiar Ghostbusters vibe I remember came out when you first see Muncher the ghost, AKA Slimer, AKA Slimer. You know, I was like, okay, this is the Ghostbusters. I remember, especially when they were driving the Ecto-1 through the center of town while Phoebe's sitting in the gunner seat, trying to catch Muncher. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is this is the Ghostbusters. I remember.
2: I was really bummed that Rick Moranis
1: didn't make a cameo. I forgot he was even in the movies. That's how no! long. No, that's how long it has been since I had seen the original. He was in every '80s movie.
2: He so was. Um, I
1: don't know why I forgot, but I just assume yeah, if it was the '80s, Rick Moranis was in that movie.
2: Annie Potts he- was there, but no Rick Moranis. He's been retired from acting forever. And I had recently heard that he was in the works of making a comeback because of the fan base that was requesting his present. And I think it was the hype around the Ghostbusters reboot. Mm. And out of nowhere, he got attacked on the streets of New York. What? Yeah. He got assaulted, physically assaulted. And Ryan Reynolds came to his defense. And, you know, they were trying to find the person who attacked and was like created this social campaign to help catch the guys who
1: assaulted Rick Moranis going from there. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't hear about that. So how about that creepy scene when the mom is possessed by Gozer's minion? The kids are going closer to the mom as she's having this thing. And I'm thinking if if someone looked possessed like that, I would not be moving towards them. I'd be running away. Right. i think. Be- it's like, is mom having a stroke? What? Oh, there's something wrong with her eyes.
2: Nope. Yep. That, nope. And that dot evil, com evil,
1: evil demon voice coming out. Nope. Right. Not not doing that. That's not how all moms sound. What? <laughs> no. I also really enjoyed the relationships between the characters, especially podcast and Phoebe and then Gary and Phoebe and then Gary and Callie. I do feel though that Trevor's character fell a little flat to me. Yes. It just was kind of two-dimensional. Even his relationship with Lucky seemed it just there wasn't enough there. There wasn't enough substance. And the writing for his character was not there. No, it wasn't. When he was driving the car and he was in the driver's seat, they could have done a lot with that. I feel like they really did that well writing for a podcast. And then even Phoebe, her jokes that she would always be telling. And then those one-liners that podcasts would have. But then for Trevor. Yeah, no, I agree. If he wasn't in the movie, you wouldn't really be missing anything. She could have been, Phoebe could have been an only child
2: and the story would have carried on just fine. Yeah. Podcasts could have been driving. Right. you know, It's nothing in regards to the actor, to Finn Wolfhard, who, who played Trevor. This is not Mm -hmm. a Finn Wolfhard problem. This was, the writing wasn't there for
1: his character that he went out for. He had some good moments when he went into the diner and he sat there and he was trying to talk to Lucky for the first time. He had some moments and I was like, okay, well, he this he might grow on me, let's see. But then it just didn't really then he just didn't, you know, it's a little it left a lot to be desired, yes, in that yeah. situation. So what I absolutely loved about this movie is
2: it was this beautiful tribute to Egon Spengler. Mm-hmm. an underrated character in the Ghostbusters. They acknowledged his spirit throughout the whole movie, whether it was the PKE meter mm-hmm. that Egon invented mm-hmm. that was guiding Phoebe to you know certain parts of the property to find his headquarters and everything basically. and you see they just acknowledge him turning the light on, you know, to certain things that she could pick up on and go from there. So he was guiding her character into things that he wanted her to find and follow and carry out his work.
1: Did you pick up on that right away that it was him? Oh yeah. I didn't until, you know, the chess pieces would move
2: Mm -hmm. and I didn't
1: realize that it was him until he was leading her down to like his workshop. Okay. And Matt's said to me, he's like, I got that right away. I'm like, Oh, well, sorry. (laughs) Okay. Well you see him die in the home.
2: Yes. In the opening scene. Mm -hmm. And I attributed that along with the the title of the movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Afterlife.
1: Right. It's very obvious. I just missed it.
2: (laughs) Very obvious. And I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, he's a good ghost. They're not going to try and use the proton pack on him or the Mm -hmm. or the trapper for that Mm -hmm. matter. But I just loved how they subtly captured his character and made it 90 percent of the storylines revolve around his character to create this film.
1: And Um, I think, you know, just as Harold Ramis, his presence is was probably felt very strongly on set. Absolutely. His presence yes. as his character, they make it so tangible throughout, you know, in both. It's just showing how much influence and inspiration. And then that part where she's, where Phoebe says it's a trap, his whole farm is a huge trap Yes. for this thing. Almost saying his life's work. Here is an ode to his life's work. Both Harold Ramis and Egon Spangler. you know, both of them, here's the life's work. Look at this. This is what he created. You know, it was really cool.
2: I also loved how they tied the first Ghostbusters storyline to this storyline. I totally forgot about Evo Shandor. Mm Mm-hmm and his whole purpose in all of this. Mm -hmm. And Ivo Shandor was the architect who created the building in the first Ghostbusters film. I think Mm -hmm. it was, what is it? 550 West Central Parkway, something along those lines. He used the building's antenna that's made out of selenium to summon Gozier. And the way that they tie it in was fast forward to our present day Ghostbusters plot line where Ivo Shandor from the first Ghostbusters is in some type of stasis in a glass coffin in a selenium mine in Oklahoma and he had built a temple to honor Gozier when Gozier would return. I mean, I absolutely loved how they tied both into this movie. That way there was that feeling of closure at the Mm -hmm. end.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Egon Spengler figured out Ivo Shandor's plan and just uprooted his life, leaving his family behind to do everything he could to stop Gozier from returning. So he headed out to Oklahoma and just like you said, made it his life's work to capture all these spirits and set this giant trap. It was very well done.
1: I got goosebumps at the part where they're in the mine wow. and they realize, and Phoebe says he was standing guard yes. watching over this and all his machines are there like keeping the ghosts down. It's yes. like, oh my gosh, that's what he's been doing. He's been standing guard and nobody believed in him. None of his friends. Right, He had to leave his family. Nobody even took the time to look into it and see why he was doing that. It was just, you're crazy, whatever. So Gozer, I was looking at the cast list and it said it was an uncredited role Olivia Wilde played her. But then I saw something else that it was choreographed by someone else. So who was Gozer?
2: I don't know why it was uncredited. It was clearly Olivia Wilde.
1: Yeah. I have
2: no idea. Couldn't tell you.
1: She looked a lot like the original. She did.
2: She. I thought it was a flawless casting yeah. And I think she just jumped at the chance. She's like, I get to be gozer. What? Tell me more.
1: <laughs> Shut up and take my, I'll, I'll pay you guys. You know, to be <laughs> Let me be in this movie. <laughs> right. And the, even the costume, everything looked exactly the same. Yes. They did a really good job. It was the perfect homage to the original cast. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't think we could have asked for a better ending. CGI Egon was perfect yes and that was the thing i was waiting for him to like show up in his casper form i was Mm -hmm. like okay when do we get to see him see him when do we get to see this like the spirit of egon physically and i I, that's what i was waiting for more than anything when
1: we got it at the end i was like finally yeah when he's holding the gun of the proton pack helping phoebe i was was like there he is (laughs) yeah and then he got his send off he got his goodbye he got to hug his daughter and then you know, disintegrate into heaven.
2: And the boys got to say their final goodbyes. And yeah. Like, oh, right in the fields.
1: Oh yeah. It was really good. How about those end credit scenes? Did you watch it or
2: no? I did watch it. I did not know about these said end credit scenes until today, when I was today years old, that there were end credit scenes, which you kindly sent my way, which gave me more feels, which will now set up the rest of the franchise. So,
1: yeah. So, we saw the mid credit scene and then the end, end credit scene. I didn't know that was there. I had to look it up on YouTube. And then I saw that and how Winston, you know, he's this prominent businessman. He's going to bring it all back. And he said he was going to fix the car and everything, the Ecto one. And then you see him in. Like the fire station. And then there's a blinking light, the blinking Rich. red light. What does that mean? Uh, that
2: there is paranormal activity going on.
1: The franchise lives on.
2: It does. It does. As I was going through the list for the cast, I noticed Sigourney Weaver and her, that her name was on there. And I was like, I don't remember her being in this film in the most recent Ghostbusters film. I was like, what did I miss? Where was she? And then it yeah. wasn't until you mentioned that she was in the end credit scene. I was like... <gasps> Son of a b-word. Yeah. what did you take away
1: from that mid-credit scene? It was just a
2: very nice homage to the fact that they are together. And oh, it was it. a scene from the first movie that oh. remember when he was doing the ESP test on the guy and the girl in the first one at the very beginning of the movie he's he's a respected professor kind of, mm-hmm. and he's only buzzing the guys. <laughs> And the girl isn't getting the questions right whatsoever. And he was like, oh, you're shoo-in. I mean, (laughs) and he's going for it. And now the tables are turned and Sigourney Weaver's character, Dana, is giving him a dose of his own medicine. And he marked the cards, which I loved because I was like, how is he getting this right? What's going on here? And he marked the cards so that he wouldn't get buzzed. And she just kept buzzing him anyway, which I was like, good for you, Dana. Don't take that. (laughs) That's funny. I love that the franchise is going to continue and that multiple generations will be able to enjoy
1: all the Ghostbusters films forever. Yeah, me too. And now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirls podcast is on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. We're offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. Visit our website to see all that the fangirls are up to. Look out for a new blog post this Friday of the fangirls' favorite things Christmas edit. We put together a fun fandom-inspired gift guide for Christmas. Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network,
2: and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes.
1: We love hearing from our listeners. So please give us a follow on Instagram at the Fangirls Podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time. Fangirls Podcast is not affiliated with the following. Columbia Pictures, Bronze Studios, Ghost Corp., Sony Pictures Entertainment, or the Montecito Picture Company. We're also not affiliated with Netflix.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.